This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by WordStream, online advertising made easy. Look, it is so easy to waste time and money with online advertising. That's why you need tools like WordStream. Check it out at wordstream.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Sarah Avenir. She is the founder of a company called Any Yet and also the author of Gather the People, a human approach to marketing for people who would rather make what they love than convince people to buy it. So, Sarah? Yeah. Hi. Thanks How are you? It's me. actually, it's actually, and yet. Yeah. Which is you know, when I said that, did you hear me sort of pause? I was like, that doesn't look right. Sorry. That's good <laughs> well, because I'm going to ask you about it anyway. So <laughs> a lot of people think it uh, when you type it in in the browser, it says Andy E T, oh, and yeah. so they're like, hey, I'd like to talk to Andy. Um, <laughs> but there is so yeah, you're not the first. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we got it straight now. You know, I I always find it if you make a mistake, you know that that actually lets you emphasize the thing even more so so now we're talking yes. about and yet so I want to deal with the subtitle of, of your book uh, right off the bat um, yep. people would rather make what they love than convince people to buy it um, that's obviously the creative sort of ironic struggle isn't it I mean that yeah. that in order to keep making what you love somebody's got to buy it <laughs> probably right. Right? right so so how do you kind of balance those two elements well, I think that we're always dealing with um, two elements that seem, like you mentioned, like they're really conflicting. Yeah. Um, and underneath all of that are is really like what we want and what we need. And I find that while sometimes it seems like, oh man, I really want to be doing this thing, but I need to make this money. It seems like those things are in opposition to each other. If we actually start with, okay, what do we need and make our constraint, how do I get what I need in a way that is also leading me toward what I want, then we can actually come up with a lot more creative ways of doing that. Um, and I feel like that's kind of a, a theme throughout um, my work for the past um, 16 years and uh, and a theme in my life as well. So it just, it kind of comes out in, in everything I, I do. <laughs> Well, and, and I think that's a beautiful way to frame it because I do think a lot of people, I mean, part of the challenge I think for a lot of people is they just do what they see everybody else doing, you know, and it's like, oh, right, I guess right. that's how we have to do this. But right. but the, the starving artist kind of cliche, I mean, is a cliche sort of for a reason, isn't it? I mean, isn't there, isn't, is there sort of inherent in the creative person this, this lack of desire to sell it? Well, I think that we have these these um, archetypes in our head, you know, yeah. the starving artist or like the lone artist is another another piece of that. Yeah. And it's like we, we kind of grapple with these big creative questions or these big business questions. And we have to we have to forge our path and figure it out. And it's hard. And many of us are mentally ill. <laughs> um, but I don't think I don't think that archetype is necessarily true. Um, it's rooted in truth because creativity itself and business itself is really really difficult. And anybody who tells you otherwise. I, I don't know, maybe they got really lucky um, or maybe they're not being honest with themselves. Um, but it is really, really hard. And whether it's the, the financial part or the part of us that just 
has to find that deeper purpose. Like at some point in our lives, it doesn't become enough to um, go to work and yes. get a paycheck. We we have to find something that really aligns with who we are. That is is a major struggle. And so um, I kind of uh, I read um, this book called um, The Heart Aroused by David White. Mm. Um, it is about um, poetry and the preservation of the soul in corporate America. And he deals with this concept of... So it's um, fiction, right? <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. Well, I, couldn't help, I couldn't help myself, sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's beautiful about it is that it, it, it isn't fiction. He's a poet, but he's also a, a consultant. And he sees the, the poet and the, um, the business person as two sides of the same coin that we kind of need each other and we need yeah. these different parts of ourselves. But kind of like Carl Jung, um, the the philosopher was always talking about integration rather than, you know, going to one extreme or the other. We're like integrating these different seemingly disconnected parts of ourselves. Um, David White in The Heart Aroused does the same thing. And so wherever we kind of see this um, the starving artist or um, the, these extremes that we feel like we, um, this is just true. This is just true. Like yeah. business is so hard. Bootstrapping is so hard unless you know people. And I mean, it is hard, but um, it's always hard. And so um, in, in that book, he talks about the opportunity in not saying, well, this is true or that is true, but like, what if these things are both true and, and what can I find in that? Um, and so uh, one of the, the, approaches in gather the people is um it is acknowledging that we need to align our needs with our wants and it's also acknowledging the the lone artist archetype which is that um creating alone in a vacuum is not effective for actually having the impact that we want to have because while we may create out of ourselves if it's just for ourselves we don't feel that inner um, alignment that I'm doing what I need to be doing. Ultimately, it has to meet the world in some way. And so um, so for me, developing an approach that allows you to um, create a path for people that helps to get them where they want to go, but to actually do that with people rather than for them. Um, so that they are involved in the very beginning. And um, so, yeah, that's that's really what the approach is all about. Yeah, I think that that, that your idea of creating only for yourself um, makes it kind of hard to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> yeah. We need we need people. Yeah. So, so since I already butchered it at the beginning, uh, I'm sure I'm not the first person that said, what is and yet about? <laughs> uh, well, um, there's actually this beautiful poem. I'm actually going to look it up because I can't say it off the top of my head. But um, da, 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 da. it's at the bottom of our homepage. And this is kind of uh, how it started. Uh, the common phrase, and yet, is poetry's simple machine lever. Whether said with stuttering hesitance or inspiring confidence, it always means a departure from what came before and yet humbly hints at the precise moment of possibility. Mm. Um, and so for, for us as a team, it stands for possibility. Um, I am, I've actually 
I was not a, a founder of And Yet. I am a, an owner now. Okay. Um, I became a partner um, about three years ago. Um, but the the founder of And Yet, who is actually my partner in life uh, now, um, he he came from um, a job and a situation where um, possibility was not. Um, possible, <laughs> I guess. And so Andy kind of birthed through yeah, right. this pain of um, dealing with toxic leadership and all of that stuff. And so he wanted to create something that was totally new and that actually served the people within it. So that's where that comes from. Awesome. So your book, <laughs> Gather the People, um, is ostensibly talking to creatives, but is that yep. where it ends? Um, well, it's interesting because that book I wrote five years ago and it was actually as a result of being laid off um, yeah. from the company that I am now the CEO of. <laughs> and uh, I, I wrote that book because at the time I was responsible for, um, we had gotten this huge corporate client and it was a time of feasting. This is how I got hired, um, our team, we needed to, to grow it, to fulfill this con contract. We were at an all time high of 42 people. Um, we'd hired folks on a marketing team and I was part of leading that effort. We were going to, um, uh, create a market for a product that we'd created, which was like a, a pre slack, um, product uh, called and bang, um, nice. which we were going to rename to shippy. So that was my role. Um, but about nine months um, after I got hired, we um, that major corporation bought another company and um, we were so dependent on that one client. I mean, mm. we'd scaled up sure. to, to meet that need. And suddenly their R&D budget was completely funneled to that acquisition and our contract was over in a moment. Mm. And uh, so we struggled along, tried to limp along, um, our uh, the former CEO did not want to lay anybody off and took as long as as he possibly could to do that, which he now is like, oh, man, I should have I should have just made that hard decision in the beginning because it would have been less painful later. But anyway, I was one of the folks who got laid off then. And right after that, um, the whole time, the time that I had been working there, of course, I had consulted previously and I was in a position of um, people knew who I was. When they hired me, they knew exactly what the value was of what they were getting. But I came on to this team without that knowledge on the team. And so I was really having to sell my ideas and try to explain how these ideas actually work on a team and how, how we could, um, we could grow using this concept. And it was so hard for me to explain. So when I got laid off, I immediately knew I'm writing a book about this. <laughs> um, because this was so hard to explain to my team. Mm -hmm. And I actually used the urgency of getting laid off my deep need at that time to, um, to write that book, I had 50 days until my money was running out and I rebuilt my consulting practice, um, in a couple of years. I mean, well, within that year, I, um, actually rebuilt to a place where I was supporting our family, um, hundred percent again. And, um, I, at the end of, uh, two years about I'm terrible at dates, but, um, I'd saved up enough money to where it became 
possible for me to actually buy in to Andia as partner. Um, and so uh, it didn't end there because then my role became, um, I, I joined as a, a team lead of uh, our uh, design team and then moved into a chief of strategy role and my role became growth. And I had to learn to take this concept that I'd used successfully with hundreds of individual entrepreneurs and translate it into a team environment and a team environment on a tech company where basically, I mean, developers do not like marketing. I mean, they're just resistant to it. And um, we're not, it was not a language that anybody else spoke. And so I had to figure out how, how are we going to do this with a team who um, we were really avoidant of getting specific about what we did. We did all kinds of things and we were proud of it. We created these big, uh, creative conferences that brought in people from all over the world that, um, had like this play going on the entire time that the audience were actually, um, participants in. We, um, visited the Hanford B reactor, um, and then came back and everybody went on the stage and talked about the impact of, of this technology that was used to build the atomic bomb and how, um, our whole town was basically built around that. It was a government town and how most of the people who were working on it didn't even know what they were working on. Um, and so responding to that and there were parades and all these wild things. Um, we've built online experiences that are just wild and immersive. Um, we've built swag. We do demos for clients, um, to demo their software at conferences. We do so many things. And and so coalescing around, this is who we are. This is what we do was next to impossible. And then talking about it in any way was next to impossible because our team, we've got a lot of um, really, really smart people who have a ton of integrity and also like they don't feel the need to promote themselves or or put themselves out there in any way. Um, So, uh, so yeah. I am now writing another book <laughs> that is about um, how to actually about a framework that I've developed for teams that um, for for teams specifically who care about people more than profit, but who need profit to be able to care for people. And so it's a framework that's basically using those principles and gather the people. But how can you do that as a team of you know multiple people? She was beaten down and should have quit. And yet, that's 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 what I'm yeah. that's what I'm hearing. You know, is that little <laughs> that little pivot line? Yeah. Online advertising has become an essential part of the puzzle today, but it's tough. It's changing every day. It's hard. It's easy to waste time and money trying to figure out how to get it right. That's why you need some tools in your corner. I love a tool called WordStream. You can get consulting as well as a tool to. To, to shave tons of time off to have reporting done for you. If you're an agency, then you've got that problem times 10. You need these tools to help you manage. You need the tools that WordStream offers to help you attract even more clients. If you want to benchmark your Google Ads account right now, they've even got a free tool for that. And they've got a great growth academy that's free as well. Check it out at wordstream.com online advertising made easy. That sounds nice, doesn't it? 
So yeah. one of, in chapter two, you talk about taking inventory. Um, and yeah. there was a, f- a phrase in there, one of your question prompts, that um, uh, maybe it's maybe this is a widely used term, but I had never heard it before. What do you see as the shadow side of your strengths? Um, mm-hmm. And as I read through your examples, it was clear what you meant by that. But um, yeah. how, 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 to help, well, you probably better explain it to listeners, but then also um, help me understand why you believe looking sort of at the dark, <laughs> you know, helps, yeah. helps you and reinforce the light. Absolutely. Well, I think that um, that's such a great question. And again, it, it kind of goes back to the Carl Jung philosophy mm-hmm. of integration, right? It's that um, when we are aware of our strengths, we also have to be aware that on the other side of that are the things that are holding us back. It's kind of like when you enter into a new relationship and you're just like, oh my gosh, I love all these things about this person. And then eventually you're like, oh my gosh, these things are the things that drive me crazy. Or at least that is, you know, a typical relationship pattern. Um, It's, we have those same things within ourselves. And when we can acknowledge those, it actually makes it a lot easier to collaborate with others because we see where we um, we don't have strength and where we actually need other people and whether those other people are our um, employees or our coworkers or our customers, um, we need them to help create wholeness. And so that that's why I asked that question and think it's such an important one. Yeah, and I guess in some ways, um, sort of the need or at least the feeling that we need to mask those things just probably stops us from fully collaborating, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I struggle with social anxiety a lot. And um, and it's funny because, like, uh, I, I had a really um, very charismatic dad. So I had this pattern of modeling of being really like looking like an extrovert, Mm -hmm. but I would, um, always feel, and I still struggle with this before I'd go on something like this or, um, go give a talk or something just so terrified that the part of me that is actually, um, gets really self-conscious and trips over my words Mm. and can't think of what it is that I know, um, right in that moment, um, and that I actually have to be okay with like, well, maybe that, that part of me will show up. And ironically, by inviting the shadow side, we become better acquainted with it. And it's not so scary anymore. Well, and the good news is you've come to the safest podcast on the internet. <laughs> have I? Yes, you have. That's awesome. I get that feeling. <laughs> so my my theme that I've been preaching for the last couple of years, um, as I've been doing this a long time myself, um, and and it's really the I don't know if it's a whole chapter, but but this idea of building small to build big, um, I think that's mm. so counterintuitive to people. But even if that just means going narrower and deeper, as opposed to you know what the world wants us to do, which is tackle everything. Um, yeah. I, you know, what, how, how, you know, what advice do you have for people to get the, I mean, I think a lot of people sort of intellectually go, yeah, that makes sense. But then we find ourselves on every social platform. Oh yeah. Well, it's so true. But I think in order to, 
the value in building small, I mean, there are so many of them, but you can focus on something that is essentially very true for you. Um, If you're focusing on a huge, big thing, then it can become really general and vague and it doesn't resonate with people as strongly. But if you can focus on something simple, you can ask, um, ask yourself, what is, what is the truest thing about this? What is, um, I, I ask myself that question all the time. Like, what is the most true right now? And it kind of seems like a nonsense question, but it's like, what is alive in me in this moment? What am I seeing? What do I actually believe? Because a lot of times um, we kind of give the, the easy answer or the answer that we hear around us all the time because it's just sort of in the water. Um, but what we really believe deep down is, isn't in alignment with that. Um, so when we, we build something small, it's easier to, to find that thing that, um, I'm taking a class right now, Jocelyn Gly's, uh, hi-fi class. It's about developing your intuition. And she talks about like capturing the things that glimmer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, it's easier to create something that glimmers when you're focusing um, on that level. Yeah, and it, it, it amazes me how often I'll, you know, I talk to a lot of business owners and a lot of what we try to get them to do is understand who their ideal client is and things like that. And it's yeah. amazing how often they go, well, but what I really wanted to do, you know, or who I really <laughs> like to work with. And then you're like, well, it's so obvious. You just said it, <laughs> you know, right. why, why are you doing it? But then they're kind of like, oh, yeah, but you know, this person said they wanted to buy from me and this person said they wanted to buy from me. And and so I think it's really hard to say no, which I think is, is. part of the art of, of building small, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to limit our opportunities, but um, we end up limiting our opportunity to have impact when we are, yeah, aren't yeah, willing yeah. to focus. So here's the really big question that I like to ask a lot of authors sometimes. Uh, what do you want somebody to do when they read this book? I want them to believe in their ability to change the way that things are right now. Um, so much of my my work and my thinking, even though I'm an optimist, I'm focused on like the thing that's frustrating or the thing that's holding me back. Mm. And I want to feel like I want people to feel like they have a model. Um, to get past the things that are holding them back, that no matter where they are or what they're doing, they have the power to change what is going on for them right now. Um, yeah, I think if 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 anybody reading it was able to come away with that, I would be super, super happy. I think there's a whole lot of people exploring right now. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, of are they doing what they should be doing? Is this the time to reimagine? Um, yeah. So I, I think um, uh, part, of, uh, part of my interest in, in having you on uh, was because this topic really, I think is something that uh, a lot of people are asking themselves, you know, how should we be doing this? How should we be marketing uh, now? Yeah. And uh, I, I think this is a valuable work. So Sarah, where Thank can you. people find out more about um, uh, and yet, as well as gather, <laughs> gather the people? Well, at and yet we're uh, andyet.com and gather the people is gatherthepeople.com. Um, we do a lot of stuff on Twitter. We're actually, um, I am teaching a free Instagram class starting on August the 4th on uh, rebuilding your uh, creative and it's creative and business recovery for people who've had the rug yanked out from under them. So uh-huh. it's using this framework um, and it's free. Nice. So you just have to follow gather the people on Instagram to get to that. But yeah. Awesome. 
Okay. Well, we'll have all that in the show notes, and uh, I appreciate you stopping by the podcast, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll run into you someday out there on the road. You're in the Northwest, right? Yep, yep, one Eastern of, Washington. One of my yeah. daughters went to um, Gonzaga. Um, oh, wow. In, in Spokane. So I, I had not awesome. previously, pre, pre, the, prior to that, I had not spent much time in the Northwest, but uh, I've, I really loved it. It's a great, great part of the world. Yeah, beautiful and so varied across yes. the state. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, yeah. thanks again and uh, take care. Thank you, John. You too.